You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. I'm Cameron. We got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. Well, if it is a good day. I guess we have Eeyore over there, not Scott. <laughs> How we doing? I'm I'm adjusting. I'm getting back to normal life here. Oh man. I I I told myself I was gonna be positive. I gotta be positive. We're recording this Monday on the twenty first, and I'm still wanna kick something. Every time I think about it today at work. It's just like I felt like I got punched in the gut. It's just it it's awful. Did it feel like this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, just just awful. I, I I can't stop thinking about it, unfortunately. I think it to, to me it's just disappointing. It's everything that was on the line, you know, circ things outside of Utah's control, other programs, there's just everything was lined up for us to walk through that door, and uh, we decided that door was too big, and we fell on our face about three stairs short. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, there's nothing left to do besides just pick ourselves up and uh, finish out the season, but tough way to lose, tough way to end uh, end it, because it kind of feels like the season's over. It's not. There's still a chance for us to win 10 games. So the offense, obviously, you know, this has been well documented. We've talked a lot about it. Real inconsistent. Defense really played pretty well for through three quarters, played a horrible fourth quarter. What's most concerning to you at this point, defense or offense? For me, going uh, moving forward into this next game, after what just happened, I would have to say the defense, uh, especially going up against Oregon's off, especially going up against Colorado's offense. They seem to be able to move the ball on anybody at this point. And I mean, yeah, I know going into that game, Oregon had was averaging 570 yards a game. They're, they do have athletes. They're able to move the ball. But our defense year after year, has proven that it can stop the run. And for whatever reason, this week, when it mattered, we couldn't. We couldn't get out. We couldn't seal the edges. I mean, Chase Hansen had to have one of the worst games of his career, I think. he Couldn't make a tackle. He, well, yeah, I mean, they couldn't seal the edges. Like, none of them could tackle. It's just... I see your point, Ryan. Yeah, the defense was disappointing. You know, they gave up over 500 yards to Oregon, but they still limited them to 30 points. They did. 30 points with over 500, 575 yards of offense. That's still pretty decent as far as points scored. They're not getting any help in this offense. When Oregon possesses the ball more in this game than we do, that's the problem with the offense. And we talked about this last week. Oregon was dead last in the Pac-12 for time of possession, and we're first. But yet, Oregon was able to flip that, and they possessed the ball longer than we did. 
that's got to be on the offense, not converting. Well, and, and, and a lot of that has to do, we could not get Oregon off the field. How many third downs did they convert? They just continued. I mean, other other than okay. their... Okay, well, I, they were 9 of 18. 50%. It's a decent it, average. We were 5 of 12. But the, but a lot of that came in the first half. Defensively played pretty well in the first half, limiting to three points, even even through the third quarter. Only allowed three points through the first uh, through the first half, ten points through the third quarter, and then the fourth quarter came, and we just couldn't make a tackle. We couldn't get a stop. You know, I mean, all season long we've been playing the bend don't break. Yeah, we gave up yardage, but we've we've been able to keep keep them out of the end zone and force field goals or get them off the field off on a punt. I mean, we just couldn't do it. We had our opportunities. That game. That game, Oregon was trying to give us that game. I mean, we get a mythical touchdown off of the off the punt, the fumble pump that was touched and recovered in the end zone, and then, quite frankly, Justin Thomas has a pick six right in his breadbasket that bounces off of him. I mean, that's seven points right there. Okay, and I, I can't disagree with you. Utah's offense only put 21 points up on this Oregon defense. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. 21 the, freaking points. But here's the deal. To me, it's not an either-or. Both sides of the ball have fault here. Because I think, but I think what's most alarming to fans is the defense because we've always relied on the defense and we've always known and been able to trust when we need to stop, we get it. The problem is we're also accustomed to this inconsistency offensively. We're not defensively, and that's where these these concerns come. Considering we've got four seniors in the back, um, play, in the secondary, they struggle to make plays. And I mean, Kyle alluded to it to that uh, Brian Allen was in position and and played that final ball pretty well, and it was a great pass and a great catch. In that situation, you know, they're going for the end zone. They have to with with eight seconds left on the clock. It's unfortunate that it happened, but defensively we just didn't all game long. I just kind of expected as the game went along, especially as it got late and we had the lead, that the defense was going to finally make a play, and they just never did. Well, I think that's what we've seen all year. I mean, we even talked about it this last week about how the offense starts out slow Somewhere in the game, usually in the second quarter, they can flip a switch and they can dominate. And they've had the defense to kind of bail them out. But in this game, that offense never made that switch. The offense just assumed that they could just turn it on whenever. And yeah, you got to give offense the credit. They marched down and they took the lead with, what, two minutes left? Two minutes and 18 seconds. We expect the defense to make a stop in those situations. But the offensive has got to help the defense out. There were a lot of missed opportunities on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you go back to the first half, you have Troy Williams fumble inside the 15-yard line, uh, which I disagree with the play call. I don't know why you're running a quarterback draw in that situation when when Joe Williams is is carrying the ball just fine and, and picking up yards. The other, we go for it on fourth down at the 20 or 21 yard line and lose yardage rather than take three points. There's just, 
It just seems like we're t- a broken record <laughs> podcast after podcast, season after season, about the offense not being able to be consistent. I mean, you look at you look at we put over fifty points up against UCLA. We put over forty five points against Arizona State, and we can't even ma- we can't even ma- manage twenty twenty one points at home against a three and seven Oregon. There's no doubt there's a lot of frustration from the fan base on both how this game went offensively, defensively. Um, and there's, I mean, all over social media, all over Twitter, people asking for hot seats for a rod for other, uh, other coaches. Here's what, uh, here's what Witt had to say. Anything that you will look to change on offense or defense, or is it still just kind of fine-tuning those? No, we've won eight games. You know, we're, we're in, we've had a pretty good season. I mean, I don't I don't know what the expectations are. You know, I expect to win every game, but from the outside looking in, I mean, do you guys expect us to win every game? I don't know. I don't know what the expectations are, what's realistic. But for us to be in the hunt uh, in, you know, deep in November and 8-3, and three, it's, you know, we want to win it, and there's no moral victories or anything like that, but – but uh, we don't need to make any wholesale changes. We're literally what two inches away from winning this game, maybe an inch. You know that ball in the end zone was was right there, and so it's it's a game of inches. And we came up short on Saturday. After listening to that, I tend to disagree with him in in some respects because I mean, he sits there and says, "Do you expect us to win every game?" And as an avid fan, yes, I do. Do I? in reality think they're going to win every game every year? No, of course not. But when you've lost to two of the worst teams in the Pac-12 the way you did when you had the South Division Well, but, but take it one step further. Cal and Oregon are the two worst defensive teams in all of college football right now. One twenty, They're ranked 127-128 defensively between the two. And what did we score against Cal? 23 points? And we scored 28 points. Really, only 21 came offensively. offensively. And one of those was at home. So, yes, I expect you, Kyle, the team, to go in there and win those types of games. Now, you look at the Washington game. I, Of course, we were hoping for a victory there, but you come away going, oh, we lost by seven points to the fourth-ranked team in the nation at that time. You live with that. But it's really hard to live with the fact of getting beat by those two. Well, and for the fourth straight year, losing the 11th game of the season. And come November, we start sliding. And that's a trend. Now, I do agree we do not need wholesale changes. Those are, those fans that are calling for which job need to take a deep breath, calm down. He is our coach. He should continue to be our coach. Wholesale changes? No, I don't think we need wholesale changes. But what we continue to see offensively is we do not have an identity. We do not have a system. We have a broken culture offensively. You look at, I mean, you look at Oregon. You could tell what Oregon was trying to do offensively. They were attacking the edge, and they were good at it, and they never deviated from it. All game long. And they didn't need to because we couldn't stop it. So, of course, they're going to continue to do it. The problem with that I have with our offense and with the the coaches that we have in place currently is it changes every week. One week we're running the quote-unquote spread. 
we're doing the read option. The next week, we abandon that. We're doing a delayed handoff. The next week, we're back doing something different. And it seems like every week, we see something completely different. Last week, we were throwing the ball all over the field. And we were having a lot of success down at down at ASU. We were attacking their defense and throwing the ball deep down the field. We did that three times this game against a poor defensive Oregon team. And on two of those occasions, we had big plays. Moei for the late uh, go-ahead touchdown and Hanley for uh, a big gainer down the other sideline on a seam route. Took it down to the five yard line. The problem is, it's just we're just so inconsistent offensively. Week to week, we're just doing something completely different. The game plan, I now granted, we're just fans, and I think we all understand that we're fans to an extent. We get caught up in the emotion, and we don't know the ins and outs. We don't know the team like Kyle and the and the, and the staff does. But I think the frustration comes is we still don't have an identity. A-Rod and Harding, as co-OCs, have not created a, an identity for this offense. Sure, we run the ball. Outside of that, it's your choice. It's Your guess is as good as mine what we're going to do. Going into Colorado, what are we going to do? So he, from my standpoint with the offense, you're, you're right, Scott. You need to have a culture. You need to have a system where... This is what every team expects you to do week in and week out. It's almost like we tailor the offense to try to outsmart the defense that we're playing rather than just take this is what we do as an offense and make them adjust to us. Well, I mean, to that point, I mean, any offensive coordinator should be looking at tape and their game plan should be built around what they think their offense can take advantage of that team's defense. So, of course, you're going to see new wrinkles and you're going to things are going to adjust week to week. The problem is it just seems like it just there's no plan behind it. Well, there's no rhythm to the offense. No. There's no, there's no rhythm, there's no rhyme or reason why we do a lot of stuff that we do on well, offense. It's almost like there's not there's not play, they don't run plays to set up other plays. It's just like, "Hey, eh, we haven't run this one in a while. Let's call that." Well, and on top of that, there's just going going to your point of having no rhythm. We just loaf it out there. After the play, everybody just kind of loafs back to the huddle. There's just no there's no pace. There's no urgency with this offense. I mean, a perfect example. We get the ball with a minute left on the clock in the second quarter, and horrible. We're running screen pass after screen pass and dump off after dump off as we watch the clock expire. I mean, do we not have a two-minute offense? Do we not have a four-minute offense where you we can go no huddle? We can get See, into and, a rhythm. And that's where I get so frustrated as a fan because with this podcast, you know, we're privileged to, to see practice um, and see what's going on. When you're in practice, you see them run a two-minute offense. You, we don't see that in games. You see them in practice go under center. How many times have we gone under center in a game this year? Okay, well, that's a great point because we have seen that in practice. We have. Se- I have. No, I have seen it in practice. So we, we have all seen it in practice. The three of us have seen it. Why, why don't we see it when we're in a game? 
Especially on fourth and one. That's why I get so frustrated with this offense, because we see it in practice. Week in, week out, spring after spring, fall after fall, we see this crap every single time, and it's never used in a game. I'm I'm no I I I I'm sorry I got do you feel better we, now, I do I do I I just had to get that out count to ten Cameron one two three six seven eight nine ten so can you, can you okay. do it in Spanish <laughs> I I feel a lot better I, I know I take it count. as a no we we need did you to... know in Spanish no is no <laughs> <laughs> we need to lighten the mood I'm sorry I didn't mean to bring us down like that. No, it's it's frustration, and granted, Kyle said there, Grant, he's not going to throw a rod or his, his offensive coaches under the bus. And you with, don't expect with games, him to with games still still left to be played. You don't expect him to, but you know, I guess does does this fan base have the confidence that a rod's going to get you to the promised land? I don't. the The only thing I can think of is he's still a young OC. He's still learning. He is. He is, let, and let and, and I, I will say this. Building. I will say this. This program continues to improve. They're making strides. The problem is, are the strides going to be quick enough to to accomplish what what this program is expecting? And uh, regardless of what happens at the OC position, it's really clear, and it's been really clear for a number of years now. We've got to hire a quarterback's coach. There's got to be a coach hired that knows how to coach the position and that is dedicated to him. A-Rod was never a quarterback. Well, well, that's true. He was never a quarterback. And, and, and I think to an extent, yeah, you can, just because you haven't played a position doesn't mean you can't coach it. But I think quarterback is a different position than every other position where you can do that. There's a lot of intricacies. There's a lot of small details that if you've never played the position, it's hard to teach somebody else how to do it. But second of all, A-Rod is also game planning each week. He His focus is not on the quarterback. The most important position on the team and a position where we have been lacking for multiple years now, that's, that's where I would like to see. If we don't make these wholesale changes in offensive coordinator – Great, Kyle, do what you need to do. But that's what I would like to see is get somebody in here that is dedicated to the quarterback that can provide him with the leadership and the information and teach him how to play the position. Okay, so we got, you know, kind of let a lot of our frustrations out. We got to vent a little. We threw it up on Twitter and online for any other Ute fans that wanted to kind of shout out an email or text, we got a couple of them. And these emails are brought to you by Farmers Insurance for protecting your home, vehicle, and family. Look to Farmers Insurance. Call Scott Omer at 801-307-4046. So let's go ahead and we, I think we all picked ones that we really wanted to talk about. So Ryan, what was the, what was the email that you got? This one is from Tyler. He says, well, where do I even start about this game? This game was the biggest game of the year, and the Utes coaching staff came into the game underprepared with questionable play calling, and we didn't control Oregon's run game. Seemed like any time Royce Freeman touched the ball, he got four to six yards. 
As fun as this season was to watch, when it comes down to it, we were three plays away from being undefeated going into the Colorado game. Is eight to ten wins all that we can expect from Kyle Whittingham, or do we need a coaching upgrade to get to the next level? I think that's the million-dollar question. Well, I mean, the, the, there's definitely a debate amongst you fans on that very on that very topic, and I'll say my piece on it. Witt is the guy. I mean, we all need to take a step back. Every time Witt has been with his back against the wall, with uh, you know his seat quote unquote heating up, he's proved everybody wrong every time. And he continues to take this program to heights that it hasn't reached. So, granted, yes, we want to win the South. Yes, we want to get to the Rose Bowl. But just because we continue to hit this roadblock doesn't mean we give it up. Because if I think we, we will go through a Colorado drought if we get rid of Witt. There will be a lot of bad seasons in our future. He's brought a lot of stability to this program. The recruiting is continually getting better every year. And I think with some small tweaks, we can get there. Um, even, I don't know, even with this offense, the philosophy, we can probably get there. We just, we've just got to get more playmakers because that's what it comes down to. Witt says this all the time. It's about the players. It's about guys going out and making plays. The problem with Saturday is, regardless of what the game plan was from Scally and from A-Rod, the problem is nobody was making plays. Defensively, nobody made a play when they had the opportunity. And outside of Corey Butler-Bird early and Joe Williams, Troy, Troy played pretty well, but we really didn't have anybody just take over and just step up and, and make plays. And uh, in in my opinion, it's, it's, it's a dumb conversation. Witt is the guy. I would agree. I mean, uh, I I got on him earlier in the podcast, and and not to I, not because I don't think he's the right coach. I do think he is the right coach. I do think, in my opinion, some changes need to be made with the offensive play calling. But at the same time, the players are going to continue to get better. When you, when you take a step back and think how far the Utahs come in the six years they've been in the Pac-12, he he's done a great job. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Well, I mean, to Tyler's point, uh, you know, not being able to tackle uh, Royce Freeman, and uh, you know, they got away with really everything they wanted to most uh, most of the time there. What has gone on with our tackling? I mean, Cody Barton was basically a backpack to Royce Freeman all game long. Just linebackers have been a disappointment this season. Okay, thanks for emailing that in, Tyler. I know that's like I said, that's the million dollar question right now. Is Winningham the guy that can get us over the hump? I think he can. He, I mean, a couple years ago we weren't even bowl eligible, and look where we are now. Two words, two words. Bowl eligible. All right, hey, Scott. Kyle, two words. Please tackle. <laughs> all right, right, Scott, what was the email that you got? Um, all right, I've got an email from Concerned Arizona Ute. Uh, she's, uh, she's got some good points here talking about uh, – the kicking game and uh, the fact that we really don't even use Andy Phillips anymore, which is pretty interesting because the last several years, it seemed like the offensive goal of the team <laughs> was to get in field goal range to kick a field goal. And this year, we've gone for it so many times uh, in fourth down, and we had 
a lot of success early on in the season, starting nine for nine. But that success has completely dried up. I think we're O for the last four or five. And I, I think what, what concerns me is we saw this against Cal. We had an opportunity to kick a field goal late that ultimately would have would have uh, would have changed the outcome of, outcome of that game. We went for it, didn't get it. We're in that same situation here against uh, against Oregon. Decided not to kick that field goal. Went for it. The play call aside, I'm not a fan of the play call because it's the same gap. It's the same running play we run every fourth down. There's no there's no variety in that play call. But we didn't get it and uh, just took three points off the board because, quite frankly, I mean, whether we want to admit it or not, automatic Andy, he's been pretty consistent about putting the ball through the uprights. I didn't understand. We're on the Oregon 27, sort of in, what, a 45-yard field goal. Andy's 5 of 7 on the year from over 40. I would have kicked it or at least called something else. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just. I mean, in a, in a way, it's an aggressive nature that we've kind of wanted from Kyle for how many years? But the problem is, you know, he he's such a percentage guy. He loves to play the percentages. Yeah, so now we're taking points off the board, and it just seems like we're going, like he's going against his philosophy and really what, what he's done throughout his coaching career. Okay, so thanks for saying that in Concerned Arizona Ute. Hopefully we made you happy, Arizona Ute. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> And then the one I got is from the Notorious Psy. Uh One key point that he points out that I really th- liked, I want to talk about with you guys, is he talks about the throw game, how it looked like it took five steps backwards. Williams was locked in on Patrick and forgot about Corey Butler Bird, Wilson, Hanley, and Moai, and Singleton. That's what made our throwing attack much better this year. And the fact that he was dialed in on one guy could have been a factor in why we weren't as productive. Well, he he was pretty well dialed in on Timmy throughout that game, and uh, you know Singleton didn't get uh, even many uh, many attempts thrown thrown his way, which is surprising after the game he had at Arizona State. It is. Well, and I I think offensively, my question mark is why on earth did Butler Bird not get more touches? I mean, he takes that uh, he takes that reverse. In the uh, in the first quarter, first drive, first drive that quite honestly should have been a probably about a six yard loss, and he he just jukes guys, gets all the way to the end zone, and I think he had one catch the rest of the game. Well, and they were all swing passes to him. Yeah, we never we never threw him out in space out in the field. The one that stands out is the second one, and he loses three yards. He had the first down if he just keeps moving <laughs> forward. But then I, I, the shaky Smithson just came out of him, and he's just like, nope, I've got to gotta make 12 guys miss before I get this first down. But he does. I mean, to your point, though, he does need to have more touches for this team to be successful. We've seen that, and we've talked about it before. The games that we've lost prior to this one, he hasn't played in. And he, other than the one touchdown, was a non-factor in this game. I I agree with the notorious side. It's kind of disheartening when we see that this throw game has improved much since last season, and then we come back out and you know just really mediocre. Williams twenty of thirty for two thirty-five, one touchdown, zero interceptions. I mean, they're decent numbers. Well, but it, when but when you're watching the game, were you wowed at all? 
Well, no, but I think that was part of the game plan because Kyle, for three consecutive weeks in his post-game interview, has talked about we need we need a better at a higher completion percentage in the pass, passing game, where we've been closer and we've been in the forties or even the low fifties. Well, he comes out and we fixed it. He completed sixty-seven percent of his passes. That's a great percentage. The problem is all of those passes were upon the line of scrimmage or just dump offs where we again we were not attacking the defense and uh you know granted okay we fixed that problem we got a lot of yards but yards again yards don't point po- necessarily put points up on the board you don't win because you you had so many yards we've got to figure out how to get that ball into the land of lava which we call the end zone it's okay to go in there, boys. It's okay. The water's warm. It's nice. There are no sharks. <laughs> Please find the end zone. Don't fumble it on the way in. So big thanks to Tyler, Concerned Arizona Ute, and the Notorious Psy, um, and, and everyone else who emailed and texted in. We appreciate it. Keep them coming. Okay, so we got that out of our system now. Utah, <laughs> Utah travels to Boulder to take on Colorado. Man, this was going to be oh. such a fun week. This it was, was supposed to be a fun week. This was going to be the week where just I was going to get nothing done at work. <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing new. <laughs> and, you know, there's going to be so much buildup, so much angst coming into a make-or-break game. Everything's on the line. And boom. We're just left with nothing. So I think the big area concern for me with this game... Did you say Harry concerned? Probably. <laughs> so the big area of concern... Do you I... have McIntyre's <laughs> hair on, on your mind? <laughs> he has a nice haircut. <laughs> Who has the worst haircut? You should try it. McIntyre or A-Rod? A-Rod. <laughs> A-Rod looks like he's a 12-year-old surfer. A-Rod... Or... Maybe that's a problem. But he can't, thing, he can't see. It's it's grown over his eyes. He can't even see the McIntyre looks like he's in one of those like home homeward bound. Yeah. No. You know what like, he looks no, like? He, he looks like he's in those like family featured films in nineteen seventy eight. Okay, don't tell me you guys have never seen this. The Buttercream Gang. You he remember is the that? Buttercream Gang. Yeah, he is. He's he, I think he was the dad in that. <laughs> The big area of concern for me in this game is Colorado's defense is number one in the Pac-12. They're first in pass defense, fifth in rush defense. Utah's offense struggles. It's going to be hard for Utah to move the ball and to put up points against this Colorado team. Well, if we're coming out against a defense like that, we'll probably have a record-breaking day on offense. Mitch Wisnowski, get ready, buddy. That leg is falling off. <laughs> No, but in all honesty, this is Utah football. We play to the level of our competition. Colorado's a good team. I actually expect us to come out and play a good game. I really do, because we get up for these games. The problem is we also play to the level of the competition that seems to be horrible defensively, and uh, that's the downfall. But I, but I, I do expect... If the Utes can overcome this 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 hangover, because there's no doubt these guys are disappointed that uh, they had everything in front of them, and there's we're all kind of left with an empty feeling of well, it really doesn't even matter at this point. But we have the chance 
Do you remember what happened? 2011. A fateful Saturday where Coleman Peterson couldn't put it through the uprights. <laughs> I forgot that name, but yes, I do remember that day. Three missed field goals. Just going back in time. Came into our house and beat us. But they spoiled it. We had a chance to go year one and play for the title. And Colorado came in here and beat us. It's our turn, boys. Let's have a parade. Where's Travis? Travis is the chairman of this parade. <laughs> My key to this game, Utah's ability to to recover from the hangover, as Scott mentioned. I think if they do that and come in with some fire, I think they can compete. It's still going to be a tough game, and they may not win. Um, but I think they'll compete if if they've recovered from that loss. Well, I think Ute fans deserve um, just just this reminder, this yearly reminder, that Sefo Sefo Lufau, Colorado starting quarterback, wanted to come to Utah, but we didn't have a spot for him. Just throwing it out there, just a reminder. But uh, with that said, that kid's good. He uh, he's he's effective on the ground. He he protects the ball in the passing game. They, you know, they're not, Whittingham kind of referred to them a little bit like Washington because they're just solid all over the place. They really don't have a lot of weaknesses. Now, they're not the most flashy team, but they're pretty solid. And I think that's where we, we've got an opportunity to come in. If we can get our mind right and the guys get ready to play, which they should, I think, I think this is a game we can, we can go in. We're going to have to play really well. And I think time of possession is going to be critical in this game, even more so than you know what we've seen, uh, obviously, against Oregon. We've really got to control the ball offensively. And, we're going to, and the only way you're going to do that is through, uh, is through Joe Williams because I really don't expect that we're going to be all that effective through the air. They've got a great secondary. They've got a great pass defense. We have got to invoke our will offensively and be able to run the ball. And I think if we can do that, I think we have a legitimate shot to go in here and to win. Um, I think the defense bounces back. I don't expect them to have two performances like uh, um, disappointing performances back-to-back. But they're going to have to play well. Our seniors have got to step up in the secondary. Chase Hansen's not going to play like that again. Um, I, I think we've got a legit shot if the big if, if we, if the mindset is, is, is correct going into the game. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and make our picks and our scores for this game. Scott, it's your week to go first. Who do you have this game in the score? Well, I, uh, I don't want to do this. It's against my nature. It's against my religion. It's against my better judgment. It's against my uh, inner being, the little tingles inside you. I'm going against them. I'm going against the Utes this week. I think Colorado wins. I think they win by, uh, it's going to be close, but I think they win by 7, 31, 24. So the line right now is Colorado by 10.5. I think it's going to be closer than that. These games have always been tight between these two teams, and especially the team that 
is on the road, I think plays a little bit better with it being Thanksgiving. It seems that because they're traveling, they're better prepared. They're more in game mode by the time of kickoff, whereas the home team is still trying to recover from Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> that being said, though, it'll be it'll be close, but I think Colorado wins 24-21. Well, could this be the first podcast where all three of us pick against Utah? It's because the Utes broke us. We are broken individuals. All right. I this pains me to do this, but I am going to pick against Utah as well, but I do think it'll be I think it'll be close. I think it's 27 to 24 Colorado. So I know we all picked Colorado win over Utah, but I know deep down we really want the Utes to win, and especially because I actually made a bet this week with a great podcast, the Free Ballin' podcast. They talk Colorado Buffs and Broncos. We made a wager, and the losing team, that podcast has to change their Twitter icon to the other school. So for nothing else, because I don't want any Colorado Buff stuff on my Twitter page, Utah, please prove me wrong and get a W. All right, and as we end every podcast, we end picking some Pac-12 games of the week. So in our standings right now, Ryan and I are tied in second at 22 and 11. And Scott, having run the table last week on 25 and 8. So he's got to miss all three, and Ryan and I have to run the table to even tie. And it's going to (laughs) happen. Not if if I just pull a Ryan and sit on the fence and pick the same, same as you guys. Well, Scott, it's your turn to go first this week. So... Our first game is Washington at Washington State, where the Huskies are a six-point favorite right now. Where are you going? You know, I am going to. Uh, I'm going to stay with the Huskies. I you would. I was leaning towards Washington State early, but uh, I think uh, I think Washington will win this uh, win the game. I'm going to go Washington. So I'm going to go with the Huskies as well. Uh, I don't know what else to say other than Chris Peterson has made a deal with the devil <laughs> when he was at Boise State, and somehow he pulls this crap out. So I'm going Washington. Ryan, where are you going? I've got nothing to lose. I'm going with Washington State. He's gonna he's gonna go opposite just for this for his one chance. If you lose, can we lock you in a shed with no lights on? <laughs> Please do. All right, and then our second game is Oregon Ducks are traveling down. To Corvallis for the Civil War, but Oregon's a three-point favorite. Scott, where are you going? Hmm, this is interesting. I uh, I'm going to go Oregon. Oregon State's coming off a big game against UCLA, but I just think Oregon's offense will be too much for them to handle. So I got Oregon in this game. Ryan, where are you going? I think we know where he's going. Oregon State Beavers. Go Gary Anderson. All right, and then the last game that we're picking is UCLA. He's traveling to Berkeley to take on Cal, where UCLA is favored by three and a half right now. Scott, are you taking in this game? Oh, Cal's at home, so that uh, that plays in their favor. But they're still Cal, so I'm going to go with UCLA. Hey, do you guys remember when we lost to Cal? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. It was awesome. I think Cal pulls this one out 
with the upside and Cal wins. Ryan, where are you going? I agree with you, Cam. Cal wins. All right. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? Drum and feather. That's drum, the letter N, feather. Scott, where can people find you on Twitter? Well, it depends if they look hard enough, but uh, all they got to do is search Uteman underscore forever. All right, you can follow me and this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast, and you can catch us at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. Go Utes. Go Utes. If you remember, last week I discontinued the Kai will be till I die until Domo made a play. And we're waiting. Now, Domo did make a play. I can't bring myself to do it because the very next play, we gave it up. But I will be a man of my word. He did make a play. First since his sophomore season. Will be till I die. Kai freaking yai. Go Utes. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. I need some John Tesh. What? I don't know who that is. The old entertainment tonight. He's big in he's big in Germany. Piano player. He's big in Germany just like um The Hoff. The Hoff. Thank you for all the fourth and ones. What you don't complete and don't kick a field goal. Give the ball to Andy. Let him use his big toe <laughs> to kick that ball. Donka Shane. Donka Shane. My statement stands from last week. Don't let Scott write your lyrics. <laughs> no, no, we won't know. <laughs> That's the longest sign off in podcast history. <laughs>